And we've taken a, an approach whereby going forward, all our new buildings will be designed to a five-star green rating here in New Zealand. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Sarah Minhinick, and I'm here with my colleague, James Sharp, from the Capital Markets Origination Team. If you are interested in the property sector, you've tuned into the right podcast today because we are here with Simon Woodhams, the CEO of Property for Industry, known on NZX as PFI. Welcome, Simon. We're very pleased to have you on the podcast today. Perhaps you could get us started with an overview of the company. Yeah, thanks for having me. So Property for Industry, or PFI, as it's known as an NZX-listed property vehicle, property company, we listed back in December 1994, so it's been around for a very long time. The company's always been focused on the industrial property sector, uh, which at the time when you go back was probably the least favoured asset class. Everyone at the time was looking to invest into office towers or shopping centres. Uh, our focus or purpose is to generate income for our investors. Um, we're professional landlords and we think that benefits the, the wider New Zealand economy. Uh, we have a large portfolio of properties, um, at the moment 96 properties, it's valued at about $2.2 billion, so it's a company of uh, good scale. Um, we're predominantly located here in the Auckland region, 85% of our portfolio is located here. We think it's the deepest and the strongest market, although we're very happy to be outside of Auckland as well. Uh, we have a, a weighted average lease term of over five years, uh, and at the moment the portfolio is 100% occupied, so we're in a really strong position, which is pleasing. That's great to hear. And you mentioned, um, you know, at the time, industrial was an underinvested asset class. What specifically made you focus your attention on industrial and what opportunity did you see at that time? Well, the guys that originated the company back then uh, really liked industrial property for its simplicity. Uh, so if you look at it from a wider perspective, the assets within the asset class tend to be smaller and more liquid as compared to shopping centres or office towers. Uh, that typically means each property only has one tenant. So from a management point of view, it's less intensive. You tend to get greater efficiencies out of your management team, which is important. Um, and then if you drop right down to each individual property, typically they're constructed out of just steel and concrete. Um, they tend to have smaller offices, which means a lower ongoing capex spend on the way through, um, which we think um, is an advantage over you know, assets like offices and um, shopping centres. And I think if you look at what's happened over particularly the last 10 years, investors have recognised that and capital is starting to flow into the industrial sector, and especially in the last three years. So it's a really good asset class to be in. Fantastic. And you've had a very interesting career. How long have you been in the property industry? What motivated you to get into the property industry? Yeah, so uh, the property industry in New Zealand I've been in since 2005. Uh, so I'm an Auckland boy, born and raised. Um, went to school here and then went to university down in the South Island, Christchurch. Did a four-year degree down there based in commerce. And then I actually went straight offshore. Um, I played rugby up in Japan for three years and then spent four years up in Europe, predominantly um based in and around rugby, but I also got in some contract finance work in the likes of London and Amsterdam. So that sort of set me up. I came back to New Zealand in 2003, 2004, um, and whilst I'd been away, I'd been buying residential property um, for uh, rental properties. Um, so I knew I was interested in property and wanted to get further involved in that. So in 2005, I joined a development company as a development manager. Um, we were developing a shopping centre down in Fokitani of all places. So I spent a couple of years doing that. And then that business set up a company called Direct Property Fund, which was an unlisted property fund, um, which invested mainly in industrial property, but also um, other assets that we developed and sold into the fund. So that was the start. Um, in 2011, um, the company brought the management contract for property for industry. We brought that off AMP. 
Um, and in 2013, I moved into the management side of, of PFI. So that's how I sort of got the start. Um, it's been 17 years, so it feels like a, a lifetime. Every now and again, you look at your kids and think, geez, where's the time gone? But um, it's a great industry to be involved in, uh, really good people, a wide variety of interactions, you know, the tenants that are in our buildings, contractors that build the buildings um, through the investment side of it, shareholders, stakeholders, et cetera. So yeah, I've really enjoyed my time, plenty of, plenty of time to go yet. It's a fantastic overview, and I think very interesting for people to hear that, that, that you know, interested in getting into the property sector for a job to, to hear the variety that you can experience. Yeah, I think that's probably, when you look at our company, we've got, um, you know, 20 people based back at the office, and they work across a wide range of um how would I say, a wide range of industries really. You can be in finance, you can be in property, you can be, um, you know, construction, facilities, management. You know, property touches a lot of things. Uh, so if you've got an interest, I'd, I'd you know, encourage you to, to get involved. You know, there's a lot long runway in property, definitely. Oh, fantastic. Um, I, just, I just had a few questions just around that kind of customer piece. Um, namely, you know, I guess from a perspective of people listening, you know, there's a lot of, industrial property in around the country a lot of uh, tenants a lot of potential tenants mm. so how do you approach that kind of customer journey i mean are they are there specific tenants you look for mm. uh, and how does that influence how you invest yeah. you want good tenants that's right. what i would start nice strong tenants uh, i think one of the key things is when you're in property especially funds management like we are involved in you're building very long-term relationships so we might be entered into a 12 15 20 year lease with a particular tenant at the start of a lease so you have to get it right at the start it has to be an equal partnership um, there's no good if one person's in a dominant position for a 20-year period it just doesn't work so um, you know the old cliche is it has to be you know a win for each side is, is actually holds pretty true in, in, in property um, so yeah we say that we've got circa 160 tenants um, so you have you don't have a lot of transactions but the transactions have a very deep very high value so you've got to build deep relationships um, we do a lot of work before we bring a tenant into the portfolio you know we review how strong they are what's their particular industry they're in. Um, PFI owns a lot of different buildings that you know have a lot of different tenants, right from small private companies through to globally listed businesses. So, and the process is the same every time. You know, We sit down with them, we look at their history, where they're trying to get to, are we a right fit for each other, um, and spend a lot of time up front getting them in. Um, and then once they're in there, we spend a lot of time in front of the tenant. We survey our tenants each year to see that we're doing the things that they want done. Um, and we make it very clear to them that we're a partner, not a landlord. So if they've got something they need changed in the building, come to us. And if it makes sense for both parties, we're happy to spend our capital, not theirs, and make sure the building's right for them. So, yeah. so, so just in terms of that process, and I, I guess, um, you know, given the last few years, I'm sure we'll get into the kind of wider industry. Um, do, do you have tenants or, or multiple tenants, potential tenants that come and come to you kind of simultaneously and then you have to essentially make a decision who fits best or, or how does it work? Or is it the other way around? <laughs> Traditionally, uh, you have a building that you're trying to lease and you spend the time chasing tenants. Right. Um, in the last couple of years, particularly in industrial property, so prime vacancy in Auckland at the moment is less than 1%. So there's just no buildings available. So it is a bit of a unique market in the last 24 months, whereas it hasn't been unusual to have two or three tenants chasing a building, um, but that is not the norm. You know, typically, you know, there's three or four landlords chasing a tenant. So it's just at this point, there seems to be a bit of a, um, 
a switch around and it's a landlord's market at the moment. But um, yeah, recently we've had multiple tenants chasing buildings. So yeah, but that's unusual is how I would say. Okay, interesting. And maybe just one more follow-up then on that is that the other sort of normal circumstances of multiple landlords chasing those tenants. So yep. how, how do you approach that conversation? Do you have, you know, what is your kind of point of difference? Yeah, I think we would say when we're, um, you know, bidding or responding to RFPs to these tenants is, you know, we're a professional landlord. You know, clearly, we've got a track record of performance, been around for close to 30 years. Um, we've got good access to capital. Um, and, and the other thing is, you know, industrial property is all we do. You know, so if someone is looking for a partner, all day, every day, that's what we do. So we're a very agile, responsive company, as opposed to some of the private investors who might be running a business or a portfolio, not invested in industrial property. Um, from a legislation point of view, we're obviously at the forefront of that, be it sustainability, um, seismic risk, asbestos management, health and safety. You know, we're a professional landlords. So there are certainly advantages of going with a company like PFI. So you've spoken a little bit about what you look for uh, with tenants. Talk us through what you look for on the other side when you're considering expanding your investment portfolio and looking at new properties. Yeah, acquisitions. Look, we've got a pretty wide checklist, it's fair to say, um, but typically number one is location. The old adage, location, 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 you can't change that. Um, so we target assets or properties that are located next to key infrastructure uh, pieces of infrastructure, so motorway on-ramps, um, the airports, inland ports, ports. Um, so down in Taronga, we own a large site down there. Um, that's critical. Um, so once you get that right and you get comfort around that, and that's why we like Auckland, because it is the deepest and strongest market, then we start to flow down and look at the property itself. You know, Is the building fit for purpose? Is it a generic building? So if a tenant did leave in the future, you'd be able to bring a new one in pretty quickly. Is it a specialised asset? If so, you know, what, what does it bring? Is it a cold store? Is it bulk storage what are the advantages disadvantages of that um is it a new build you know is it old and then therefore you've got the ability to add value later down the track by repurposing or demolishing it and building new so there's a wide sort of suite and then you know is it leased or unleased we've brought buildings that have very short lease terms or are vacant because we back ourselves to lease it up in the future or if it's leased who's the tenant is it a good tenant is it a good lease you know strong lease terms is there ability to renegotiate lease terms? Some of the best buildings we've bought have been through sale and leaseback transactions where the existing owner is looking to divest that but keep the company in the building. And that really gives you the opportunity to sit down and write a lease that works for both parties. So there's a big checklist. Um, it's fair to say we're pretty judicious in how we spend our money. Um, but when we're ready to go and we like an asset, then we're prepared to really put our foot on the throat and go for it. So, uh, yeah. And we're in quite an unusual market at the moment, whether you're talking about financial markets or property markets. Um, you know, if you take kind of a macro lens on that, what are some of the challenges and opportunities you are seeing within the property industry as a whole? Yeah, so there's probably a bit of a disconnect, really, between what we're seeing on the ground, particularly in the industrial market. Um, the thematics on the ground are pretty strong mm. as a landlord. You know, there's very low vacancy. Um, there's a lot of tenants who are in expansion mode on the back of COVID, a lot of the logistics businesses are searching for additional space and are trying to expand their footprint. 
Um, there's strong, really strong growth in rents for industrial property at the moment. So on the ground, thematics are very good for us, which is good. Uh, but then when you lift up into the wider financial markets, you've got a, a scenario with rising interest rates where investors, particularly globally, are saying we don't want to invest in real estate on the back of rising interest rates. So they're moving their capital out of um, out of property. So industrial property seems to be faring better than a lot of the other asset classes, which is pleasing, but there is a disconnect. And then that's flowing through into um, valuations. We're going through our valuation piece at the moment, so we'll have more detail shortly. But there's been very few uh, sales transactions in New Zealand this year. So you've got a scenario where potential vendors are going, well, I think my building's worth what it was worth 12 months ago. Purchasers saying, no, we think it's worth what it's going to be worth in another six months. There's a bit of a disconnect there. So there's been very little transactional evidence at the moment. So there is volatility in the market. Um, we actually quite like that. We think there will be opportunities coming out. Um, we're very lowly geared at the moment. Um, we're 100% occupied, so we've got good income stream. Our tenant base is very strong. So we think we're in a really strong position. Um, we've got good access to funding a wide range of facilities. Uh, so we think when the opportunity arises, we'll be in a position to take advantage of that and keep growing the company. We think it's really important to keep growing if you want to remain uh, relevant to your tenants, for your investors, for the staff. You know, we've got a great set of people who run the business. We want to give them a career pathway. We want to be involved in a business that's growing. So, you know, we're well set. We think there's going to be some good opportunities coming in the next six to 18 months. Mm. Absolutely. And you mentioned growing the business and, you know, that your valuation of the portfolio is over $2 billion. Now, I imagine when you hit that $2 billion, that was kind of a big milestone. What have been some other key milestones for the company along the way while you've been in the CEO seat? Uh, well, I've been in CEO since 2019, so it's really the last three years when we've had COVID. <laughs> I guess you could call that a milestone. It feels like a lot longer. But if you look back, undoubtedly, you know, when it first listed, it would have been a big moment for the company um, back in 1994. I think the next big moment really was when we bought the management agreement off um, AMP. So at the time, the portfolio was valued about $325 million and it had been sort of knocking along at that value for five, six, seven years. So it hadn't really, you know, grown. Um, and we took it, and the first thing we did a couple of years later, 2013, we merged with the unlisted fund that we were running at the time called Direct Property Fund. And that took the assets up to about $750 million. So started to get some scale, and that opens up things like access to different funding lines, gives you the ability to compete on larger portfolio acquisitions, et cetera, which we've done. Um, and then I guess the next big step was the internalisation of the management agreement, which happened in 2017. At the time, we were valued about $1.6 billion. So when we internalised, um, we had some legacy assets, some non-industrial assets from the unlisted fund. And so we've really spent the last three years tidying that up. We've added value to them, we've divested them, and we've reinvested that capital back into industrial property and that's taken us from 1.6 to 2.2 billion so we've had a good run in the last three years really um, so as I said we're now set we're pure industrial play um, capital investors around the globe seem to like that um, investors nowadays if they're investing in property they want the ability to invest into particular asset classes be it healthcare retail office towers industrial so that's what we've provided and I think we've benefited from that dynamic so mm. And you're clearly looking to the future as well. You've just had a strategy refresh. So can you talk us through why you did that, what you're looking to do in the future, and, and how you're going to execute? Yeah, so um, strategy is something that we review on an ongoing basis, obviously. Um, I think we got to the point where in you know, 2019 we sat there and said, right, let's 
push back to the pure industrial play. That's where we really want it. That's where our strength, our experience is. So we've spent three years getting through that, and we've done pretty well on that. Um, the last big asset we sold was Carlaw Park, which was a mixed-use asset for circa $110 million. That freed up a lot of capital. We've transacted quite heavily through last year to get us to where we are now. And so, as I mentioned earlier, we're well set. We're 100% occupied. Got a great group of um, people running the business, moving to a new office. Um, so it felt the time was right. And so we've been sitting there looking at what the next five to 10 years will bring for PFI. We're not quite ready to you know, announce that to the market, but it will, ungrow, uh, will involve further growth. As I mentioned earlier, you have to evolve in this business. If you just stand still, others will, will, will pass by you. So we're in a great position. Um, hopefully this volatility will bring some opportunities and we can keep going. Fantastic. Um, Simon, you mentioned earlier um, uh, sustainability. So I was kind of keen to kind of explore that a bit more. C- clearly a theme and topic that it isn't just a flash in the pan. It's a, it's a perpetual kind yeah. of concern, I guess, amongst investors. So just my question would be, you know, how have you approached sustainability, ESG, and, and what are your thoughts in terms of managing that out into the future? I agree. It's something that's getting bigger and bigger, and it's not going to stop. Um, a couple of years ago, we started putting quite a lot of resource into it. We've hired um, Sarah's been with us for a couple of years now. She's in our senior leadership team, um, so she's in charge of sustainability. Um, and we've taken a, an approach whereby going forward, all our new buildings will be designed to a five-star green rating here in New Zealand. Um, but we're also focusing on what we can do to our existing portfolio, which is obviously quite large. We don't see um, there being much value from a sustainability point of view, knocking down you know, functional buildings just to say right. we're building green buildings. Isn't right. that great? So we're putting a lot of time and effort into what we can do to our existing portfolio. A lot of that's around measuring performance, um, bringing in things like solar, um, rain harvesting, etc. So we've got several projects of that already underway. Um, we're probably leading our tenants to a certain degree at the moment. There are several companies within the portfolio that are interested in it. Um, a lot of them, it's about educating what we can offer, that we're prepared to spend our own capital. And uh, We're just about to complete a project where we're replacing a lot of the older air conditioning units within the buildings that we own. So some practical stuff that you can do there. But yeah, looking forward, we see that as a really key plank to our strategy. And it won't, it won't be a plank, it'll be interwoven into everything we do. So that's from with in our own office, looking after our staff, um, volunteer days, uh, mental health, uh, that sort of stuff through to the buildings themselves. So it will be an all-encompassing approach. Fantastic. Because presumably, I mean, you've said amongst all your tenants, you can't obviously control a lot of their activity, but it sounds like you're leading them into those conversations. Yeah, and obviously, as I said earlier, we've got a wide ranging set of tenants, you know, um, from chemical storage through to very clean distribution. So we want to work with the tenants. You can't use a stick or anything. We can't control what they use the buildings for to a certain extent, but we can definitely add value by being prepared to, you know, work on our buildings with them. Yeah, A lot of it's about awareness, to be fair. Um, you know, when you're a listed entity, there's reporting standards you have to, you know, um, sure. meet, etc. If you're a private company, a lot of these people are probably a little bit further down the down down the scale. So, yeah, fantastic. Um, well, great stuff. Um, we've got some quick fire questions for you now, Simon. 
Um, my first one is what is your favorite podcast or book? And before you answer, you can't say the NZX podcast. <laughs> wow. That would have been in my top three. Of course. Um, at the moment, I'm actually listening to it's a Kiwi podcast called Between Two Beers. Okay. I don't know if you've heard of it. No. Um, Write that one down. Yeah, Between Two Beers. And it's two guys based in Hamilton of all places. And they interview um, New Zealanders in a long format podcast. It was typically sports people to start with, but they've expanded their repertoire. And there's one there in particular on Ryan Fox, who's a Kiwi golfer whose father was Grant Fox, that I think is uh, brilliant. So it's worth well worth a listen. Ooh, nice. Good to know. What's your favourite place to visit overseas? Uh, I would say Japan. Yep, Japan. So I lived in Japan for three years. Um, I've actually got a brother who lives there, so we've taken the family up several times. Um, great people, great country outstanding food so yeah Good. japan checking the do you speak the language uh i used to speak a little bit yep especially on nights out but um yeah. <laughs> confidence is high right yeah if i have two or three beers i get it back very quickly <laughs> sure yeah um okay fantastic um what's your favorite quote and why quote. um probably got two floating around in my head on that so one that i actually picked up during covid was panic slowly which um <laughs> I don't know who told me that, actually. I don't know where we picked that up from, but it was an attitude that we took was when everything was coming at us, just take your time. You don't have to make a decision right then and there. Get it right is yeah. probably the key thing. So panic slowly. I think you can apply that to a few things in life, which is good. Uh, and then the other one is better never stops, which is sort of one from the, the sports side of the of the world, I think. You know, you can always improve. Small improvements go a long way. So mm -hmm. better never stops. I think I know the Japanese word for that. Kaizen. Kaizen, yeah. <laughs> That's a whole management theory, yeah. Um, and last but not least, what's your favourite local restaurant? Local restaurant? Uh, I would say Burger Fuel Mission Bay. Yeah, I have to say that because my 15-year-old son works there. And if I don't give that plug, then I won't be getting uh, discounted food there. So, uh, yeah, Burger Fuel Mission Bay. And, and, and just for all our listeners, listeners, it has to be the Mission Bay one. Yes. Um Great. So, well, I think we're going to move to close. So, Simon, just on behalf of everyone at NZX, and you know, thanks very much for coming in this morning. It's been great insight. Fantastic to hear, fantastic to hear about how the business is going uh, and your sort of insights across the industry. Um, so, once again, thanks very much. Uh, and for anyone who's interested in learning a bit more about Property for Industry, uh, their website is www.propertyforindustry.co.nz. And on nzx.com, you can uh, find them under the ticker PFI. Um, thanks again Simon and see you again soon very good thanks very much for having me cheers the information provided in this podcast is a guide and is intended for general information purposes only the information is not investment advice the information should not be relied upon as a substitute for detailed advice from a professional advisor the podcast may contain opinions or forward-looking statements and actual results may vary from what is expressed in this podcast the views expressed in this podcast are those of the presenter or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views of NZX. NZX Limited is not liable for any loss suffered through relying on the information in this podcast. NZX makes no warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the information in this podcast. All intellectual property rights in the content of this podcast are owned or used under license by NZX, and NZX's written consent is required to use, redistribute, or reproduce the content, or use it to create other works.